Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. Folks, I have sheets from Miracle Made and ugh, I love them, especially in the summer or in these transitional seasons where your body is like hot and cold and it's just like confused. Here's the deal with Miracle Made they make sheets, okay? But they use NASA inspired technology with silver infused fabrics to make these sheets temperature regulating so that you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. It's so delightful. Traditional bed sheets can also have way more bacteria. It can, they can have more bacteria than a toilet seat, which is crazy. They can lead to acne and allergies and stuffy noses. It's just super gross. My husband is one of these people that gets acne from traditional bed sheets. Um, but when we discovered Miracle Made, his face just cleared up. It was, it's been so great because they have this technology that prevents 99.7% of bacteria growth and it requires up to three times less laundry. Uh, so like I said, there's a self-cooling property for better quality sleep. There's a self-cleaning property. Uh, there's comfort and quality. I mean, they're so luxurious. It's like nicer than sheets you'd find at a five-star hotel. And it's designed for your skin so that bacteria doesn't get all up in your pores. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should try miracle.com slash fake the nation. Whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order them today, you can save over 40%. And if you use our promo code fake the nation at the checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product. It's backed with a 30-day money back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get that full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fake the nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made for sponsoring this episode. This is a headgum podcast. Fake the Nation, episode 317. Hello, hello, this is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about culture, and where we rejoice, because in the last 10 days, a couple of things have gone right. I am your host, Nikki Farsad, and my schedule has apparently been pegged to every time there's um, there's news about women's reproductive rights. It happens, like, right after I tape, and I'm taking it personally. I'm also literally taking it personally because I have a uterus. So today, we're going to play a little political catch-up with Kansas and Congress. We'll also look at two incredibly tasteful men. Guess who those are? Um, And we'll also look into our cultural grab bag, which includes Taylor Swift and siblings who go on dates. This week's panel is so exciting. I love they're both co-hosts of this show, uh, Unorthodox, which I love, um, and I've been on. And um, it is, in fact, the universe's leading Jewish podcast. Uh, so decreed even by Apple Podcasts in the description. So, um, and it's wonderful, and it's just really fun. And it, for, for Jews and non-Jews alike, I would say. I don't want to step out of my bounds here, but that's how I feel about it. It is For the- Jews and the very few people who love them. <laughs> the many who love them. Um, it is the wonderful Stephanie Butnick. Hey, Stephanie. Hey, it's great to be back on. Oh, my God. So great to have you. And the amazing Leal Lebowitz. Hey, Leal. Hello. We can tell you have Jewish guests because we already interrupted your intro. <laughs> you can't even wait to be introduced. Um, you know, I, uh, it, it takes like 45 minutes. You, you go to like an Iranian household. It takes 45 minutes to have a conversation about one subject <laughs> that would normally take 20 minutes. And so I'm totally like used to the interruptions. It makes me feel at home. Um, well, you know what, folks, uh, before we get into topic number one, I just want to remind people that they can tune in to our bonus content through Patreon. There's so many amazing amazing extra episodes of the show um next week we're gonna we're gonna like talk about a dude who's ripped um and and his new method of getting ripped which i think is very funny and so uh you know among other things so these there are some very fun uh, bonus episodes on Patreon. You can support the show uh, and get those bonuses for as little as $4 a month, which is like, I don't know, um, 
a latte. Uh, is it still a latte post inflation? I, I hope that it is. Uh, depends on where you are. Uh, so go to patreon.com slash Nikki and Farsad to join in on the fun. Now, let us get into it with topic number one. So uh, we talked about this last week, but um, I'm a Democrat for none of you who don't know because everybody knows. <laughs> and I think the Democrats have to take a minute to rejoice when rejoicing is ripe, you know. So um, first, rejoicement is coming from the Senate because they actually passed a huge, huge bill uh, called the Inflation Reduction Act. And we talked about again, we talked about this last week, so we're not going to uh, harp on it for too long. But I do want to pour some champagne out about this bill uh, and also there's been many bills. Again, I think we don't spend enough time, and I want to get your thoughts on this, uh, uh, about Democrats' inability to rejoice. Um, I also want to pour some champagne out for the bipartisan gun reform, the semiconductor chip production bill, the uh, v- veterans' health care bill. Uh, and again, now this, this is huge. We've actually done things with 50 votes. Imagine what we could do. Uh, with more votes. I'm obviously biased because I'm a Democrat and I want more of those, Um, which is not necessarily the case for all of our guests. So we'll see what happens with this conversation. But uh, how do you feel about this development? Well, can I just first say that every time I come on the show, I feel like the government is shutting down or is about to shut down or is maybe going to shut down. Like, I feel like the last three times I've been on the show, it's been like, that's all we're talking about. So it's so exciting to be here to talk about something that actually happened, um, like something productive. I think this this is great. I mean, I love that it's sort of like climate, health and taxes. It kind of reminds me of like, when you're going on vacation, you have like a bunch of stuff in your fridge and you like need to cook it all before you leave for vacation. And you're like, yeah, it's reconciliation. We're going to do climate. We're going to do all these things that seem to not make any sense together. Right, We're just right, going right, to put right, them right. together, saute it up and like, you know, pass it. Uh, this, I love that analogy. That is exactly what it feels like it is. And then and then you're surprised because it's actually a delicious meal, <laughs> a delicious meal full of like credits for solar panels. Um, I, I also so Leal, what, what are your thoughts? Oh, I'm, I'm not happy at all for, for, for two reasons. First of all, the Inflation Reduction Act, the acronym, which is very important to me, is IRA. Now, if you're going to name your bill after a 73-year-old <laughs> Jewish man with, like, ulcer problems, like, that's just not cool. Like, make it, like, Stan or Paul or, like, some real American thing. But but the real thing, look, I am, of the many reasons I'm so excited to be on the show, I'm, like, a huge nerd for these things. I actually read these bills. And so I got into this, like, complete tax vortex. And I went and I read this really long but completely fascinating report by Larry Summers, who's president of Harvard and uh, Barack Obama's secretary of treasury. Um, and he found that the tax gap by which, uh, I mean, the gap between what we owe the government and what we actually pay is going to be in the next 10 years, 7.5 fucking trillion dollars. I could say fucking on the show, right? Yes, absolutely. Trillion dollars. Okay, right. 7.5 trillion dollars. So first of all, I thought, obviously, because rich assholes don't pay their taxes. But then he actually explains it has nothing to do with corporate greed, has nothing to do with like Republican mega donors who are like hiding their shit. It has to do with the fact, mostly, that the tax code is four fucking million words long. And even he says like, no one can understand this. I think the next bill should basically be all the tax code should now be an emoji. Like if if I can't understand (laughs) it just by looking at it, it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. That's the reform I want. Well, and I would love that reform. I've talked about that like every tax season about about simplifying the tax code. Um, and the thing that, that I really want is that the government sends me a letter that's like, it looks like you owe this much. Do you agree? And I go, yeah. And I send them a check, right? Like, that's what I want it to look like because that exists in some other countries. The like um, dollar sign, dollar sign, 100% eggplant emoji. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but the, the thing that I'll say that I didn't talk about last week that I do want to point out that's really exciting about this bill and talk about the, the gap between what we owe and what what we get and all that stuff is that this is the first time, this is the largest um, injection of monies to the IRS because the IRS has been so severely understaffed since 2010. It's like has less of a staff than it did in like 1953 when our population was 
a, a bunch less. <laughs> Do you love how I avoid numbers because I don't know how much less? How much less? What so was much safer this way. Yeah. So here we go. A bunch less. And so this infusion of cash is going to make it possible for the IRS to do stuff like audit wealthy people because they're the ones that are the most likely to have the tools to try and cheat um, and, and and actually like recoup money that we're owed. A lot of our tax code is set to like make money, but we have lost hundreds of billions of dollars since 2010 in having a, a skeletal crew at the IRS doing the, doing the work. So if we're going to finally have real people doing that work and getting the money that's owed to the government so that we can have the services that we need. It makes so much sense. And it's very exciting. I feel like I've never felt so aligned. Like, I I usually think the IRS is like very, is like something I don't understand and don't identify with. But knowing that they just like have a bunch of burnout and there's like no staff there and like everyone (laughs) and like they can't find people to work there. I'm like, oh my God, auditors, they're just like us. They're just like us. They're humanized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love that somewhere in in the Democratic National Convention, you know, a few people are sitting down. It's like, you know what, Jim? I know how we're going to win elections. We're going to focus on something every American loves. How about the IRS? (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay, so that was uh, rejoicement item number one. But rejoicement item number two, again, this is so last week, folks. But as you know, I I've just my every time something happens with women's reproductive rights, it happens right after we tape the show. So I and I don't want to not have my moment. Let's so we're going to have a moment about Kansas. Um, it is a state that Trump won by almost 50 points. And yet uh, they had a referendum and uh, by a crazy margin, um, and nearly a million people turned out. Turnout was twice as large as 2018. I mean, the, the, the energy around this referendum was so huge. And um, as a result, uh, they have protected reproductive rights in Kansas. Uh, so that is a rejoicement uh, that I feel like, I, you know, it's 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 fair to remember now, even a week later, that we're that Kansas has done something right, which which bodes well for the rest of the country. What do you think, Stephanie? I well, thanks for going to me first. Um, I appreciate <laughs> it. I think this was amazing, and this was really really surprising for for a lot of us to see because you know you hear Kansas, you hear sort of you know August vote. You, we sort of didn't think it was going to go this way, and what I think this shows us is what this going to what this is going to look like on the ground, right? How people really are energized by uh, you know. Roe v. Wade being overturned and what may seem like battles we can't win actually are going to be possible. And so I think that this this is something that is a good surprise in a lot of ways of seeing what it's going to look like on the ground when people actually start to to sort of, you know, put, put their money where their mouth is. Yeah, I absolutely. I'm um, I, I, I feel the same way. And here's here's something crazy. This was represented two thirds of a presidential election turnout um, for a primary that was mostly about GOP candidates. Right. So Democrats didn't had had only this issue to turn out for independents didn't have had only this issue to turn out for because they're locked out of both sides, both primaries, Um, you know, uh, registered Democrats turned out at a higher rate than registered Republicans, which, again, there were no prime. There are the, more primaries on the Republican side, so that's crazy. Twenty percent of the no vote, which was the vote to, to preserve um, abortion rights, came from Republicans. Republicans in favor of keeping abortion, uh, and again, a hundred thousand independents turned out only to vote on this one issue. Leal, were you surprised by any of these numbers? Um. I'm surprised by any uh, exchange these days. I'm surprised by any instance uh, of American democracy actually working. Uh, and <laughs> every time I see it, so I, I was like, really, guys, are you sure? <laughs> Do you want to reconsider? Uh, thank you, by the way, for, for asking me as a, as a non-uterine person. I, I appreciate it. Uh, I, I was, you know, I was all kinds of delighted, but mainly because, no joke, uh, this is precisely what we have in mind when we drop all the pretenses, all the nasty politics, all all the bigotries, when we say, okay, well, let people decide. Great. Well, let people decide. And here's Kansas. And they did. And that's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. God, absolutely. So exciting. Um, So do you think, just in closing here, that the GOP should be scared by this level of enthusiasm from in Kansas? Is it a harbinger for what's to come? 
Well, that depends on uh, on who, in their great infinite wisdom, they decide to make their nominee in 2024, and what that nominee sees as his or her. But we before 2024, issue. we've got a nice 2022 around the corner. Oh my lord, I'm trying not to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to be sober. <laughs> it in November. is. We are three months away. Like it is happening. Um, Stephanie, what do you think? No, I think this is a good rallying cry. I mean, to activists on both sides, really, right? Like, there are a lot of people who are energized by this. Um, I think, you know, pro-choice activists see this and say, okay, we can actually fight this in other places on the ground in a successful way. Um, and then, of course, you know, there's a counter to that. So I think I think it's going to be fascinating to see this play out. But this does, I like what you said, Liel, that this is like people going out to vote, being involved, right. and like, this is... this. This is how it's supposed to be. Or, no, I don't look, try, the, the, try to change that. This is this is what America is about. Absolutely, and look, Roe was was eventually overturned, given or due in large part to thirty odd years of intense sort of like grassroots uh, action by people who cared about this very deeply. Uh, they fought for what they believed. They achieved, you know, a, a major victory. Uh, and here are people on the other side fighting, you know, very kind of gallantly for what they believe and achieving a major victory. And and that's precisely to me what politics ought to look like. Not people shouting in studios, not people waiting for their president or their senator to make some decision, but actually showing up. It's just thrilling. I also just think it's it's been a testament to the horror stories that have come out since Dobbs, right, since the things we're seeing around the country. And that has really, really mobilized people to to fight to win these rights back. Yeah. No, I mean, nobody wants to hear anything more about 10 year olds having to cross state lines. It's I mean, it's just deeply heartbreaking. So I, I think those those kinds of stories are galvanized, galvanizing for sure. OK, uh, let's take a quick break and hear about our sponsors. And when we come back, we're going to get into other things. Today's show is sponsored by Paired. And oh my God, me and my husband have had such a great time using Paired. We had this conversation recently because one of the questions that the app gave us was how do you personally express your love for your partner? I had some really ridiculous things that I was sharing with him that he sort of like totally saw as like, oh yeah, that is how you, you show your love for me. Like one of those things is he's like very sensitive to windows being open without the screen being there or like shades not being drawn at night or like just stuff involving windows. And I'm the kind of person that doesn't care about that. So I show my love for him by like doing those things because I know <laughs> He cares. And he recognized that as like a very weird form of showing your love for someone. And then I was like, I should actually do more exciting and interesting things for him. One of the ways he shows his love for me is by wearing the clothes that I buy him, which he doesn't always want to wear. But he does because he knows that I love like seeing them. P.S. I feel like he looks better when he wears the clothes I buy him. All right. That's just a side note. But point is, we've had these really fun conversations because of paired and it's as you've now guessed a relationship app for couples you and your partner you download the app you pair together and every day paired gives you questions quizzes games it's a way to, to have fun stay connected and deepen your conversations and I think you know when you get to a certain point I mean me and my dude have been together for like 10 years so it's kind of great to have this external entity like giving you these questions and inspiring new forms of conversation that you hadn't thought of in these 10 years. And so I don't know, I highly, highly recommend Paired. It's so fun. Um, whether you're a new couple and you could you could really use some some questions to get things to deepen things, or you're a couple that's been around the block and you could use these questions to kind of like find a new and interesting things you didn't really know about each other. Either way, it's time to lighten the mood and have fun with your partner by using Paired. Head to Paired dot com slash fake the nation to get a seven day free trial and 25% off if you sign up for a subscription. Just head to paired.com slash fake the nation to sign up today. Connect with your partner every day using paired. A happier relationship starts here. Go to paired.com slash fake the nation. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. 
Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. And we are back and we're ready for topic number two. So... Topic number two is about distasteful men, and we've got a couple for you today. The first one, um, you know, is our former president, uh, Donnie. And first off, I mean, it's funny because he can't just, like, stop breaking news. But, like, well, the first thing that happened sort of yesterday, we're taping here on a Wednesday, was that his home in Mar-a-Lago was raided by the FBI looking for, like, looking for documents. Um Again, we don't know very much, right? But apparently he was really ridiculous with the way he handled documents. He was always like ripping them up and all that stuff, even though there's like an archive law and you can't do that. Um, He's also taking documents home a lot. Um, There's documents in toilets. What? No, not Donald Trump. (laughs) Surely you must be mistaken. (laughs) Oh, and it turns out some of these documents uh, were classified. So, again, like, this is all in process, and everyone's being very tight-lipped about specifically what's going on. But from what little you we know, Leo, what do you think? What did you think of this news? Look, as a, as a former <laughs> teenage anarchist with a, a mohawk <laughs> and a fuck the system denim jacket. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm not rejoicing at any point that law enforcement does anything to anyone. Uh, mm, okay. I, I pray uh, and, and I seriously do pray that in that safe, you know, if all they found is like half a Big Mac and like a, a coloring book, which is likely uh, that's going to be very upsetting. Uh, if they found something actually substantial that could justify this complete break from precedent breaking into a former American president's home, uh, that would be a very, very, very big deal. But this is, you know, as as optimistic as I was about American politics when I looked at Kansas, this is when I look and be like, I, I, I don't I don't want these measures. I don't want law enforcement because you just know that somewhere in America there's a senator sitting by being like, oh, so you could uh, sick law enforcement and political enemies. OK, well, let me make that priority number one. I don't like that vibe. I don't like that game at all. Uh, Stephanie, what did you... So uh, where are you at on this news? I was mostly entertained by this, um, which maybe is not the right, you know, as a civically engaged <laughs> citizen, I, maybe that's the wrong thing. I just like... I, the farther we get away from Trump's presidency, the more I forget how insane it was. Right. And then something like yeah. this happens and you're like, oh, yeah, he was like eating pieces of paper. He didn't want people to see. And you were like, yeah, oh. like, like it just brings you right back there to the like, wait, what? What is going on? Um, yeah. And so I, I both it was a, it was a chilling reminder, kind of an entertaining one. But yeah, I, I don't really understand what what's going on here. And I'm sort of like waiting until more is reported. I don't know. This one this one confuses me. I'm so with you there because honestly, for me, I've, I've said this a million times, and I, I will never tire of saying this: to to treat Donald Trump as a as a as a human being, as a person in this world, is almost impossible for me. To me, really, I'm 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 a religious Jew. He's a plague, right? We know of plagues. God sometimes sends them to punish us for our misdeeds. <laughs> we have frogs and blood and that stuff. He's one of those. He's like a, a reminder from above that when we do bad things, we are punished in terrible, horrible ways. And so any any time where he's <laughs> actually in the real world setting, you know, I'm kind of like, really? What, he's a person? You mean he's real? It's like someone saying, oh, no, you know, uh, God punished the frog. Like the FBI raided the frog in Egypt it's like but that was a weird thing that fell from heaven like it's not real that's uh I I love this analogy and I think um a couple of things I 
I hear your point about like you're not super comfortable with this this type of news story, Leal. Um, but I also think that it's the kind of action that was probably taken, you know, because a judge had to be involved and, you know, probably the Justice Department was involved. I mean, it it it, it sounds like something they wouldn't have done willy nilly. Oh, I agree. I, I just want the results. I want like the smoking gun. Right. And I honestly like it's funny because at first I was like, hmm, I, it, like, I hope that there's something enough that, that the reason is big enough to justify it and be, not and not for me like for me like if you do things that are wrong you it, they have those things to be corrected right like but in terms of like his his base and the general population I, f- I hope that the reason is big enough. And then, you know, I remember reading that Victor Orban was hanging out at CPAC. And I was like, you know, he does kind of hang out with some dangerous dictators who could have access to classified files that he fucking leaves in his bathroom. So when you look at it that way, you're sort of like, it does seem dangerous uh to have the to have some documents like flying around mar-a-lago what, what do you suppose Cons- honestly what, what do you suppose that okay you're donald trump you have access to all the files in the u.s government's you know archives what do you think his very specific type of curiosity would actually propel him to look for because i'm imagining he's like hello uh, national security uh, get me the files and who shot jr like i imagine <laughs> It's like, you know, <laughs> fictional characters. Like, what do you think he's actually curious right. to uh, Yeah, like, because he doesn't seem to have any, like, true, no. real historical curiosity, right? Um, so what specifically? I mean, but I imagine he has some stuff about China and, like, some some stuff about, I don't know, trade. I don't know. I don't know. that. But that's a really good question. Like, what and, even would he be reading? But I can't I, even I, picture I, him I reading. Know what you would do for a Klondike bar. <laughs> I feel like you could be like sitting at Mar-a-Lago at this point and like getting a menu and then they like, hand you a piece of paper and you're like, wait, this is like a briefing. This is like a, yeah, a right, top secret right. briefing. This isn't exactly. like the specials tonight. Like it's actually kind of scary. <laughs> it is. That's exactly it. It just feels, it feels willy nilly. They, you know, I, I, I read a thing where Maggie Haberman talked about how he would just like, there would be people that, that his staff repeatedly told him, please don't destroy documents or please don't randomly throw them here or there. Like, it's not how we can handle documents. It's just not, you know. And then they had handlers like walking behind him, trying to catch pieces of paper as he would throw them in random bins. Right. A president with like documents (laughs) who God knows what's on the document. And then they would have to tape together these documents and try and save them from bat from garbage cans. Like that's how little he listened to the instructions on what to do with these things. So basically it does. I. I, I mean, look, given that kind of behavior, I get that, like, maybe there's something going afloat that we didn't want, you know, but we don't know. We'll keep we'll keep abreast of this story. He also can you pleaded, imagine, hmm. I'm sorry, can you imagine sitting in Mar-a-Lago? Stephanie, I love this idea. Like, um, I'll have the Chardonnay, the Clams Casino and the Cubans killed John F. Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, you're just learning history. Right, right. So ridiculous. Um, also, uh, I want to point out that he pleaded um, the fifth on this uh, on the stand today about cases involving, I think, the Trump Foundation in New York City. Um, I don't know anything about that because that's kind of all I know. Like he pleaded the fifth, so. That seems uh, rather unsurprising, but uh, he meant he meant be- Fifth Fifth Avenue. He's like, that's where I am right now. <laughs> he pleaded the sax fifth. Um, so, okay. So we, there's not much to say about that except for that happened. Maybe there's more to say. I don't know. I'm not smart enough to figure that out. Um, but let's look at the second distasteful man. Also last week after we recorded, Alex Jones, who was on trial for damages in a defamation case and – Um, There was this incredible moment where the prosecution admitted to having received two years worth of of text messages from Alex Jones's lawyer. He apparently accidentally emailed all of these text messages, which was just, you know, this is such a brutal trial following from, you know, the, the defamation of parents who lost a child in Sandy Hook. Obviously, so 
just heartbreaking. Um, and there's this ridiculous moment where Alex Jones is just like floored, I guess, by by his own lawyers having sent these text messages. Uh, what did you make of this trial in general and of um, Alex Jones's future? This was really fascinating to me because I generally try to not pay attention to Alex Jones, right? Yeah. Like, you know, he's doing something crazy at some point, but you're like, I'm just going to like put that over there and not engage with it. And so I actually didn't realize the extent to which his shows, his content had antagonized the families who had lost children yes. um, and family members in Sandy Hook. And so I kind of think that the power of this trial, like, yeah, he's probably not going to end up having to pay the $50 million in, you know, compensatory and Yeah, I think it's 45 um, punitive, million. 45. He, he was, yeah. Yeah, so like 45 punitive, five compensatory. I mean, I, he's oh, probably I not going to have mm-hmm. to pay that. But what I think this trial did was sort of showcase what was actually going on and, and really that harrowing testimony of the parents sort of explaining how they kept having to move and then people would find out who they were and would just go after them. And I think that there was some sort of real emotional value for the country to see that uh, brought to light, sort of like to see light shed on what was what was going on and how many people he was who were following him in this. It was really, really horrific. And just on that note, too, I think also I never think about Alex Jones. I don't, you know, obviously listen to InfoWars. Um, but I, I was shocked by how much money he's made off yes. of that. And I really had no idea. I mean, I didn't think the man was struggling, but I really didn't think he was making the kinds of fun. Like the, he was coming in with something like $800,000 an episode or per day or something. At one point I read and the, these he is a millionaire. Like he is a very, very wealthy man from spreading this stuff and he hadn't been held accountable up until now. Uh, and, you know, and, and also I think I agree with you. I had no idea the extent to which their lives were made miserable after their lives were already made miserable from losing their children. So just for me as a news reader, like that was really, really, I think, important to know. Leo, what did you think? Oh, radically different take here. here here's how I could describe my my attitude towards Alex Jones. If someone said to me, look, um, sometime I got, you know, at one point I got a little drunk on a plane and I punched a flight attendant. I'd be like, you know what? You're scum. Go away. I, I don't want anything to do with you. But if someone said, you know, at some point on a plane, I just walked over to the door mid-flight and tried to open the door so that we would all be sucked out, I would say, please sit down and tell me everything. This is such an unbelievably maniacal. I mean, Sandy Hook is is not even the tip of the iceberg. This is a person who thinks everything from, you know, biology to 9-11 to the moon landing were all false flag operations while hawking these like ridiculous supplements all in this kind of like manner. I don't know if you realize it. Alex Jones is the exact same age as Jimmy Fallon, Posh Spice and Nelly. <laughs> Those are all attractive, normal-looking human beings. Alex Jones looks like if the Sizzler was a person, like Red Lobster was a person, like that's what he looks like. No, he's no, no, Sizzler. You were character. right the first time. Right? Like it's like it's he's an amazing he lo- no, character. He's like if a combination Pizza Hut and Taco Bell How merged he, uh, and, into and, a human and, being. And like the ta- hamburger. Taco Bell, yeah, Taco Bell and and Valtrex. How can you not freaking love this thing? This thing is so ridiculous that that to even have any premise like, well, this is um spreading misinformation. It's like, I'm sorry, but if you got to the point where you listen to the shit and you're like, well, he's making some very good points. I actually don't think that the government, you know, could have landed a person on the moon. It's like, you know what? It's too late for you, and it's too late for all of us. I, I'm I'm obsessed with this show. I listen to as, it all as the time. a part of the guinea pig generation, uh, which we're all in this like era where we have to figure out what the internet means and how how to work with it and live with it um you know this is one of those things like conspiracy theories always existed and even like the 9-11 conspiracy theorists right like i remember after 9-11 the conspiracy theories that swirled around and the internet was around then and so they got you know, they a foothold here and there, but it just wasn't as pervasive and it just didn't take hold in the same way. Um, 
And then, you know, obviously, like, after JFK's assassination, there were conspiracy theories, right? There's, like, always been conspiracy theories. It's not like we, conspiracy theories are anything new. It's really that he made, was able to build an empire off of them because of the savvily using the internet and its reach. So this is where we really have to think about who's publishing this content, what responsibilities do they have? Like all of those questions, I think, come to the fore every time we read stories like this, right? And I think that's important for us to know. See, I think the internet is... um... As as someone, uh, let, let me flaunt my expertise. Mom, if you're listening, this one's for you. As someone with a PhD <laughs> in technology from an Ivy League university, you know, I, I think the internet's a complete disaster. And one reason why I'm sort of, I don't want to say uh-huh. I'm cheering on Alex Jones because obviously, I mean, come on now. But but one reason why I, I actually kind of look at it from a different angle is because I, I think he's actually, in a weird way, he's the embodiment of the internet. Like we started yeah. off, yeah, this is going to be great. We're all going to share information and everyone will learn about the other person and we'll have opportunities and all the gatekeepers would crash. I was like, no, 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 no. You're going to get someone who looks exactly like the chaos that you're unleashing into the world. Again, it's a sort it's the plague theory of history, right? It's a sort of like, okay, well, you wanted this. You wanted your groceries delivered in 15 minutes. Congratulations. Now you also have your news delivered by a person who thinks that, you know, the Muppets killed Elvis. Uh, great. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, folks, let me know what you think of um, all of these distasteful men in the news. May we not have to speak about them again for a while. All right. Let us move on to topic number three. Uh, we're going to dip into the cultural grab bag where we find that there is a new show on Netflix called Dated and Related. And the premise is that pairs of siblings go meet other pairs of siblings. So candidates are being matched with someone um while their brother or sister watches <laughs> they'll, they'll be on dates there's like you have to see this trailer um it is completely ridiculous and there is in fact a shot of a couple making out right and then they go wide and the brother of one of them is just like sitting in the adjacent chair being like and i'm also here watching you know and uh anyways it's uh what do you think stephanie of the premise of this show this is amazing and this is also terrifying because you know you need to watch it to see if like anyone gets drunk enough to like do what we all are thinking might happen like, yes! like are we gonna see i can't even say it out loud siblings make yes. out like what, what Ew, why, and if not why I am can't. i watching like yeah this is insane <laughs> it's like a big promise to deliver but also <laughs> why why would I watch to watch that? Because that's so traumatizing. Yeah. Like all of these questions are coming up for me inside my soul as well. Thank you for for speaking to them. Uh, Leal, what you do you know, think? Just, just when you think you will never be able to to top, is it cake? <laughs> the greatest reality <laughs> show ever created comes a new show. <laughs> that is sure to uh, entice my my particular sensibilities. Uh, again, I'm I'm total trash. I'm an absolute you know trash raccoon, and I I dwell in this shit. And the more <laughs> bizarre and disgusting, uh, the better off. And if they could combine these shows, like your brother tells you if it's cake while you date, like it's. Just <laughs> This yeah, while well, you crazy. date someone's sister. Yeah. I just feel like what phase are we in the reality TV universe where like the generator comes up with being like, okay, we're gonna send them to an island and then we're gonna put their family there too. Like like where where are we? What's next? And like what what I'm worried about us. For all um, of us. You know, I would say that um there's been dumb content for people since the beginning of time, right? Like people have always consumed dumb stuff. Uh, It's just that it's not the stuff that kind of lives through history. You know what I mean? It's not like people like, you know, let me quote dated and related um, from the 1800s, right? (laughs) It's like, it's like we think we're like, no, we're going to quote Chaucer, right? So I think this is not this... It's. I think I don't. I know. I. I understand. Like we could. There could be something deeply wrong with us. You know. You might be right, Stephanie. But I. I Thy also sister just think, is hotteth by Chaucer. <laughs> oh 
Um, but I also think, uh, just in defense of the show, I'll, I'll say something. Again, haven't seen a fucking episode. What am I even talking about? Pure speculation. That there is something to the idea that your your sibling helps vet people you might date because you're terrible at making dating choices that right do you want i don't know what your guys' uh, relationship situations are but i you know for people who have strong sibling relationships i bet you a lot of siblings are like man you know my my sister dates the worst dudes this yeah, is they the can, like, show get ahead them. of it yeah get out in front of it i like exactly. that exactly stephanie would you like franny kind of like vetting your dates well, this is great because this is like every Jewish kid's nightmare, which is someone else being like, why can't you be more like your brother who's right over there and like, you know, cuter. I think this is amazing. Just the photo is like there's so many abs in this photo. I totally hear there's you. So many and I abs. think that like in more, you know, in the past, in these communal worlds we would have lived in, like your family would be involved in all of this. Right. Yeah, all, it, no, exactly. We're part of these societies. So, so we exactly. have lost something where we're like, oh, let me go to tin. Let me go to this this machine to tell me who to date as opposed to like my brother or sister. So there is something beautiful about it. I have to say everyone is so like near naked and glistening in this promotional photo that I'm like, insane. it's insane. I, I don't know that I can take that fully. Like take well, take your. By thought. the way, the you you need to see these siblings standing side by side. They're unbelievably Unbelievable. gorgeous. Like how it's not even like you think. Oh, one sibling got all the looks, and then the other one. It's like right. they're just only pairs of gorgeous people. It's very like, weird. What what lab produced these people? You know, exactly. but it was, it was a little bit triggering for me because as an only child, I mean, first of all, can I go on the show? Second of all, if I go on the show, could I like pick whoever I want? Could I be like, I want Oprah vetting my dates? Like just a No, it has to play. be your sibling. And if you do not, if you are an only child, the show will ban you. That's it. <laughs> I, I mean, if you look at it really in that historical context, of families were always fucking involved in picking matches. <laughs> uh, this show is actually so fucking normal. And how has it taken us this long for it to exist, right? In that context, I feel like this is totally fine. And it, the only thing that's different is the number of abs. Uh, in that sense, I, I'm all for it. But I'm sure they're going to make it dumb as fuck, right? Like, there's some, th this show is not going to be... <laughs> You know, I hope so. I would rather see, you know, Stephanie's grandmother sorting out, you know, uh, boyfriends or whatever <laughs> for a bunch of cousins. You know what I mean? That's what I would rather. I'd Just rather get on FaceTime. That. It's really easy. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Can you produce this for us, Stephanie? Can we have your family um, do a thing? All right. So that's um, that's cultural item number one. Now, I'm going to tell you about this next one which is that a sustainability marketing firm released a list of celebrity carbon emitters based on their private jet usage. Uh, we actually talked about this, full disclosure, we talked about this on the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me episode that I just guest hosted. Um, so, But that was all jokes. We didn't really get to like talk, talk about it. So I wanted to talk about it here. Taylor Swift topped that list. Um, and Taylor got some heat for this. Was this heat warranted? Liel, what do you think? Ste first of all, Stephanie Taylor Butnick, I feel, gets right away yeah, here. I'm like a hardcore Swifty. This is oh, sort I did of not know this about you. Okay, perfect. Yeah, my middle name coincidentally is Taylor, but I like to say I'm named after her even though I'm older. Um, <laughs> I, I think that this is like a really bad look. Um, I like that her excuse was like, no, no, I lend it out to people. All like, yeah. Those miles are not mine. I, I use those miles. <laughs> it's like I've accrued them um, and I get the points, but those were my friends. It's not great. No. It's not great. Uh -uh. It's, uh -uh. it's not, yeah. I don't I know. I mean, do you... What do you think of the heat, though? Like, do you think people should be mad at her? I think that this is something where we realize just like how truly unrelatable superstars are. Like we like the amounts of time that like the Kardashian Jenners are in there. Like they're taking 40 minute rides to like go get their groceries in their private jets. And you're just yeah. like, oh, you don't exist on the same plane of, of like functioning as we do. Leo. So my, my I, I have a dumb comment and a hopefully slightly less dumb comment. The dumb comment is that I think the, the sort of carbon credit system is perfect here because we could come up with a system that for like if Taylor Swift, say, accrues 100 carbon credits, that just means that we could take some other lesser C-list celebrity like a Rob Schneider and say, you don't get to travel anywhere for six years. 
<laughs> just to upset Taylor. Because <laughs> we actually right. like you her. Want, you want a, um, a carbon credit system between celebrities, right? So Correct. she buys all of Rob Schneider's air credits. <laughs> but, but, but the serious comment is, is, look, here's why I really don't like that kind of talk. Because, you know, I'm going to be really honest here. I'm someone who struggles with that a lot. I, I, I want to be so much better about this shit. And I'm horrible. I, I use plastic bottles all the time. I use, you know, plastic straws. I, I, I hate myself for doing this, but I do it. And I think that it's so easy to say, oh, celebrities, you know, are so hypocritical because they preach to us about all this environmental shit and then they use their jets. And that's that's just like so dispiriting. I would like the spirit to be the spirit of like, do whatever you can, even if it's like really little transgress all you want you know sin sin again fail for the hundredth time but wake up tomorrow morning and do something a little bit better that's the spirit that i'd like to see and and i honestly wonder if the negative attention will affect someone like her to do something a little bit better i mean you talked about 40 minute rides the prop part of the problem is a lot of these rides are very fucking short there's so there was a 20 minute one, right? Like they're so short. Why are you taking, you know, a private jet? And, you know, uh, the Kylie. OK, so the, it here's this is from the article. Um, our fearless producer, Andrew, found the controversy heated up. Um, Kylie Jenner, uh, who's only 24, shared an Instagram post of herself and her boyfriend, Travis Scott, 31 posing in front of their separate private jets and i think the thing was just like who's who should we take yours or mine or what fuck i mean she also took a three minute flight allegedly this makes me crazy also to the bathroom. How- <laughs> i mean why would you ever write a three minute flight it would have been a 40 minute car ride you're a heinous person if that's what you're i mean Look, I don't know her. Maybe she's not heinous, but this is seriously misguided. And someone needs to talk to her about carbon emissions. Also, I don't re- I don't know. Where were we with private jets like 30 years ago? As a child, I don't remember anyone talking about private jets. But now I feel like everything is about like there's so many private jets in the world. What is going on? You know, so also just an awareness for everybody. Like, yeah, these people take private jets. It sucks. Also, is first class so bad? (laughs) You know what I mean? Is first class so bad? But, you know, speaking of awareness, like the the person right behind Taylor Swift on on this list is Floyd Mayweather, (laughs) who apparently took 177 private jet flights. Um, His shortest one was a 10 minute trip to Las Vegas. And I'm like... Floyd Mayweather totally haven't thought about you in like a really long time. And so like, here you are. I didn't know he had the kind of money that would do a 10 minute. Good for him, right? I mean, not good for us, but you know, yeah, get it. But honestly, who who in the right mind would ever give up the exquisite pleasure of flying commercial? And I'm not joking at all. It's like, it's one of the most incredible forms of interacting with your fellow people human beings why would you not want that i mean how often do you fly to not want the occasional moment in which i'll tell you like this is one of the most amazing things that i think has ever happened to me i was in a really bad mood i was flying delta it was with like three connections there's no direct flight and i'm sitting there and like flight was delayed LaGuardia was a mess everything was horrible i get on the plane and the woman sitting across the aisle for me brought on board a full fucking fledged seafood boil. I'm talking a huge <laughs> aluminum tray of like lobster and shrimp. Like, I was like, you know what? I am so fucking inspired by you right now because you just woke up this morning and said, I am going to take, I'm going to live my best life. And like yeah. my mood changed immediately. Why would you ever give that up? <laughs> I think that you're you're onto something here, which is that the fact that these people are only flying privately and in jets they own or whatever means they're so out of touch with with like right. the rest of civilization. Like it's it's that they don't encounter people in uncomfortable ways. They don't like go to the which laundrette. It, right. Like you're just not seeing people. Yes, which makes yes. for shitty art. Being in a in a, a bubble of isolation um, is you know it it just it doesn't help you. It, it makes for shitty art, which is why I love. Um, there I, I I remember there was an interview with the director. Um, I think his name is literally Chris Columbus, right? Who did like a bunch mm-hmm. of um, 
Harry Potter and a bunch, bunch of big movies. This Mrs. guy, Doubtfire. And Mrs. Doubtfire, there you go. And um, he like sp- specifically lives among people, like gets his own dry cleaning, goes to the supermarket and made that choice. Like he doesn't, doesn't need to do those things, right? He's very wealthy. But he made that choice because he was like, oh, I need to understand people or else I'm going to make terrible, I'm going to be a terrible director. And it was like, Oh, obviously. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. That makes so much sense. Yeah, what, what um, would the next album sound like? Like, I'm in the aisle of my private jet. There's no one else here because it's my fucking private jet and I can't relate to and any that other is the person. first single off of Taylor Swift's next album. Uh, I hope you. Um, what do they? What, what do you call Taylor heads? What do you call Swifties? Swifties. That's right. Sorry, Swifties. Duh. Okay. Well, folks, let me know what you think. Um, I, uh, I, I, uh, I hope you enjoyed um, dipping into the cultural grab bag. All right, folks. That is the end of the episode. Um, I love having you both on so much. You're so fun. And what I would really love is for people of Fake the Nation to be able to find you and all of the wonderful things that you do. Leo Leibowitz, where do they do that? I'm actually going to ask my smarter colleague because I have no idea what our URLs are. Stephanie, where do they find us? You can find our show, Unorthodox, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also check it out on tablet at tabletmag.com slash unorthodox. And you can find all the other tablet podcasts we work on at tabletmag.com slash podcasts. Uh, highly recommend subscribing to this podcast. It is so enjoyable. Um, they, they have a fun time every week, so get on it. And you know where to find me and all the things that I do. Um, again, I was on uh, last week's episode of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. You have another like 36 hours before that episode is irrelevant and replaced with a new episode. <laughs> so check it out. Um, I guest host and I had such a great time in Chicago doing that and working with the Wait, Wait team. And oh my gosh, it was so much fun. Um, and thanks to everyone who's been watching Not Okay on Hulu. I've been getting so many fantastic messages and DMs from, from the Fake the Nation audience. I'm so... Uh, I, I, I moved. I moved that you um, are watching that movie. Um, it's uh, available streaming on Hulu. And I really want to thank everybody who makes this podcast a possibility. That's our fantastic producer Andrew McGuire. Um, he finds so many of these excellent stories that you hear. We love him for it our wonderful audio engineer stephanie aguilar and um i want to thank the people at headgum uh, the wonderful emma foley who who's having us in studio and just everyone at headgum who makes this show a possibility and gabby alter wrote our theme music he is a genius uh and don't forget to get in touch with us at fake the nation at headgum.com if you have any ideas oh braces to watch we're still doing it uh so ha- hit us up and I'm going to be compiling some races to watch and hopefully come at you after Labor Day with, with a bunch of great races to watch. And uh, don't forget to join us at patreon.com slash Farsad to join the fun there. And we will be back in your earballs next week. That was a HeadGum Podcast.